Hi, it's Molly. I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Excel Books Podcast. I believe you're in for a treat. So without further ado, let's get right into the episode. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Excel Books Podcast. It's your favorite host, Molly. And on my show, we like to talk about work, family, and life. If you're new to my channel, you're such a blessing. You're such a blessing. I'm just so happy to have you. Like, if I could, this is this is my digital hug. This is like my air virtual hug from me to you all the way from North Carolina to wherever you are. Like, mm, mm, I'm so glad you're on my show. Um, thank you for tuning in. For all my legacy, faithful, like my warrior listeners, I'm calling y'all warriors. You know why I'm calling you warriors? Because I give y'all some tough things to think about. I think I do. And y'all stick with me and you're adapting and you're, you're applying these things. And so I think you're strong. I think you're warrior. So kudos to you and thank you for staying on with the podcast. You mean so, so much to me. Okay, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about it. And I know some of you are like, Molly, we are tired of hearing about the moolah. Why do you keep talking about the moolah? Because people are asking me about the moolah. (laughs) That is why. And rather than answering one person and then they get some of my knowledge and someone else gets a piece of it and someone else gets a piece and everybody's got scattered wisdom. It's like, let me just share everything all at one time. And then you get to have the benefit of the best of both worlds. You get to hear everything fresh from me. So you can't lose. Okay, so today's episode is called The Pay Scale. And why am I talking about the pay scale? Why does this matter? What what are we talking about with the pay scale? I don't mean pay scale in terms of, you know, oh, well, I should be making this much. I mean, we're going to touch on that. But I'm talking about the pay scale as far as your own personal expectation. How you get it, how you don't get it, and when you shouldn't get it. So... And then you're like, Molly, you're confusing me again. You're doing that thing that you do. All right, let me break it down. And I think I'll break it down by asking a question. Have you ever been unpaid for work that you've done? I know I have. Have you ever been underpaid? Meaning you're doing the work, but you're like, I'm really doing the work of four and five people. Why am I not getting paid more? You ever had that happen? I've had that happen. Why is this such an issue? Why is it that we have some people that are paid pennies, a fraction of their worth? And then we have other people who are paid the salary of four people. And you're like, how did you do that? And you're doing nothing. I'm going to tell you, it's the pay scale. And I will say this with the pay scale. Pay scale has different meanings depending on where you are in the uh, funding process. And I'll say funding because it's just a neater way of packaging it. And you're like, where do you mean where you are? So you've got the company. You have their HR department. 
you have the person, the manager, or whoever it is you're going to report to that requested that position. And then you have you. And then you have your peers. And you're like, how does my peers have to do something with this? We're going to get there. So all of these people have an impact on the pay scale. And I know what you're thinking. I don't get it. I don't see how there's that many people. It's just me going for an interview and whatever the company offers me. That is not true. The pay scale is something that starts off as a very quote-unquote messy determination. And as time goes by, it gets even muddier and muddier. And if you don't know how to flow with that scale, then you're you're going to suffer. So before I get into how to flow with it, let me let's get the concept of what a scale is. A scale, when you think of a scale, some people think of one of two things. They either think of the scale you stand on to find out your own personal body weight. Um, and then you have the scale that you use in cooking, you know, where you're measuring, you know, amounts so that you can make the proper meal to the proper, you know, taste satisfaction level. I want you to think more about the scale for your body. Now, if you've been to the gym or if you've never been to the gym and you've seen a scale, you know that depending on where you go, that scale can show a whole lot of information. Just depends on what scale you have. Imagine a basic scale, a basic scale where you just stand on it and it says, ah, this is 200 pounds. That's the weight. Doesn't tell you anything else just as how much you weigh. When a job is offered, before it's offered, it starts off as that basic scale. Meaning they're saying, okay, I need this position and that position weighs this much in the company. So this is what we're going to offer payment-wise for this job. Starts off simple. It's based off of HR standards, Um, you know, maybe even Google research and they say, okay, this is what it is. Great. They think they're fine. Then you start getting the manager involved, the manager who is filling in that position. And they have different factors to take into consideration when they think about how much that position is worth. And I know you're like, what factors? What factors are we talking about? So I think of four factors when it comes to a pay scale. There's the skill level. There's the need. There's flexibility. And there's budget. So skill, need, flexibility, budget. The four primary areas that are taken into consideration when it comes to a pay scale. So when you start from a generic level with maybe HR, they're looking at the need. The need is, I need this position. And based on the need, and they put that need on a scale. So imagine the need is a person or an object and it's on a scale. And the need weighs 200 pounds. Okay. Well, now that it weighs 200 pounds, they're going to offer it 40K a year. Okay, great. Now the manager is involved. And they're like, well, I, I get that HR, but I need the person in this position to be flexible. So now we have need and uh, needs cousin flexibility has jumped on the scale with him. Now we've gone from 200 pounds to 250 pounds. 
Okay, so now we're like, all right, we're we're past 40k. We're now at 45k. We're like, all right, that's a little bit heftier. I can deal with that. Then we get the the budget added in because now we have the the finance people, CFOs, and all the wonderful people that deal with the money, and they say, hey, I get that we have a need for this. I get that you want them to be flexible and do all these things. I do too. However, our budget for this position or for any position this year or this month or whatever it is, is only 50K. So when you're interviewing these people, don't get all happy and put some wide range. We can't go over 50K. So now we have need. It's on the scale. Racking in a hefty 200 pounds. We have uh, Flexibility, who's jumped in, has given us another 50 pounds. And Budget came in with another 50 pounds and and, and said, hey, I'm here too. Now we're at 300 pounds. We're like, all right, we're good. We're good. We're good. Um, So when they put the position out there, they say, well, this position now needs to be, you know, salary range is between 40 and 50K. But they don't put that that's the range. They're going to put the lower range as low as they can get it and still be competitive because they want the position filled, not necessarily their pocketbook emptied. So the position goes out there, post online, you see the job. Wow, 42K. I can take that. Now, you don't know what the CFO knows, which is it could go up to 50, but you see it at 42K. You're like, oh, this would be great. Let me apply for it. I hope I get the 50K. You're in the interview, and the manager has met with you. You've gone through all the preliminaries, and now they're assessing the last part of this pay scale equation, your skill, your expertise. So they've looked at your skill and your expertise, and they said, okay, I see what you can bring to the table. I see how gifted you are in this area. And based on that... I don't think you're worth going all the way up to the 50K. I think the 42K is more than enough for you. Now, they're not going to tell you that that's what they're thinking as far as pay range. But what they'll do is they'll say, okay, yep, you're hired at the rate of 42K. And on one hand, you're a little offended because you're like, well, they hired me at 42K, but I know I'm worth at least like 60 why didn't I get 60? Your skill and expertise make a difference, and it's not just skill in general. So this is my, my tip for you know interviewing, and I'll be covering a lot more of this in my upcoming book, Interview Like a Boss. So stay close to me. I will be sharing that very soon, in addition to a huge facelift on my website to give a much better experience to my fantastic customers. So... They've hired you, 42K. You think you're worth 60 because you've got two degrees. You've worked at five companies. And the last job you had, you were paid 52K. So about 10 grand more than what you're getting paid now. And you're thinking, man, this is insulting. I shouldn't get paid this low. I should be getting paid 10 times higher than that. Why aren't they paying me 10 uh, 10 grand more? So I'm going to break down what it means by when I say skill set. 
the person interviewing you is looking at your skills completely different from how you're viewing it. You're viewing longevity and accolades. You're thinking, well, I've done these great things in past companies. I have this many titles and certificates under my name. I should absolutely get this amount of of pay. But it doesn't mean that all those accolades and things on your skill set make you valuable right out the box. You're not a you're not an out the box solution. You're an in the box solution. Because on your resume, you're like, well, I've I've managed three different companies. Yeah, but we're hiring you to code an app. When's the last time you you coded? Well, I don't code myself. You know, I, I pay my, my my team members to do that. Okay, then skill wise, you're not more qualified than John Doe, who applied yesterday, that spent three years doing coding. And so this is why some people, when it comes to the pay scale, they get offended. Because they're like, wait a minute, I'm underpaid. I should be getting paid more. I've got this degree, that degree, that degree. But just how relevant is it? How quickly can you adapt? Anybody can say with their mouth that they are a fast learner and that they, you know, can adapt and be up and running and mobile within 30 days. But most people can't back up that statement. So we have to rely on your resume and the recommendations and history of other people to figure out if you are going to take a lot of time to train. Not that you can't do it. They're hiring because they think, okay, you're worth taking the time to train. You're worth taking the time to invest however many days, hours, etc. to make you the ultimate asset. And if you're wondering what I mean by asset, check out my last episode. Um, that was the part one. We will have a part two to that, by the way. For those that are like, Molly, you're going to do a part two? Yes, we are. We're going to do a part two. Uh, my special guest on there. We're going to do it. So that's one end of the pay scale. That's before you get in the door. Let's talk about the pay scale after you're in the door. So no matter what position you got hired for, how can I put it? There's an equity period. What equity period? This is the period in which you have to demonstrate your value to the company. And I know what some of you are thinking. I don't need to prove anything to them. I know my worth. I know I'm valuable. You know, I know we're in the whole empowerment uh, generation where everybody feels they're valued. Everybody feels important. Everybody feels like they, they don't have to do anything to prove it. But that sense of entitlement is the whole reason why you end up being asked to do other things. There's other reasons too, but that is one of the reasons why in the beginning we're like, okay, you're being observed. This is why you see so many companies that say within 30 to 90 days, you'll be officially hired until then you're here on a temporary basis through a temp agency, et cetera. And then we'll let you know and give you the official offer letter. And you're like, all right, I'm full time. I'm officially hired. It's because they know that most people are either going to, everybody's not going to make the cut. Some people are going to make the cut right away within 30, ni- 30 days. Some people's going to take the entire 90 days 
And at the end of those 90 days, they're gonna be like, okay, they did it. They're not super fast like they said they were in the interview, but they can handle this. I'm okay with offering them an additional two or three grand a year because they've shown that they can handle these things. And then there's some that were like, okay, yes, you can do it, but you are really slow. You haven't tried to plug in with the company. You came with a, I don't really know y'all and uh, who cares attitude. That makes a difference in them wanting to extend that offer on that pay scale. So a lot of people don't think about this. They think, okay, I got the job. I'm on my 90 day probation period. And I have, you know, all I got to do is, you know, just keep showing up to work. And that is not it. You're being evaluated. You're being observed. And they're observing way more than how much you learned about this, the task you were hired for. And I won't go into too much of that because we're going to talk about that in, in the asset part too. But you got to think about the fact that they're looking at more than just what they hired you for. How are you connecting with people? How are you plugging in with the company? Are you paying attention to what's happening in the business? And when I say what's happening in the business, I mean like, okay, do you know what the name of our stock is? You have no clue? Didn't know we had a stock? Hmm. Um, do you know the name of our CEO? Do you know the name of our president? Like, there's so many things, you know, they're looking like, okay, do you care about the business? Or are we just another paycheck to you? And some businesses are very, very passionate about hiring people that are passionate about their business. And it sounds kind of like, oh my gosh, why is it so personal? Because it's their business. If you built up a business, you wouldn't want to hire any old person. You don't want to hire somebody who's going to put as much into this as you put into it. You've gone through sweat and tears to make this thing grow. The last thing you want is to put in people who could care less if it sinks or floats. And so this is why companies really invest and say, okay, this pay scale, are they still worth the same amount that we gave them? It's okay if you're still worth the amount that they offered. But there's a little hidden question of, hmm, maybe I'll give more if they make it past 90 days. If they show me they can bring more to the table than just what I asked them to. Those are, those are beginning stages of pay scale. I want to talk to you after this quick break. I want to talk to you about the pay scale after you've been officially hired and your tasks have increased outside of the scope of your work. We'll be right back. Hey, hey, welcome back from the break. So I want to talk to you. We talked in the first half about the pay scale and just how that can work when you're starting off. You're like, I'm trying to get my foot in the door. How are they p- figuring out this pay scale? And then you're talking about, okay, I'm an, I've am i been on the job 30 to 90 days. How are they determining my pay scale at the end of these 90 days? And so I touched on that to let you know that, okay, this pay scale can still fluctuate um, in your favor even afterwards. Now, they're not going to announce all the time, hey, you may get an increase at the end of 90 days. A lot of times they're just like, okay, you're on 90-day probation. We'll let you know if you still have a job at the end of that time. Because they don't know what you can really do because now you're being tested. And I won't go too much into the testing because that's going to be in my book. But I do want to to let you know that that is what's happening there. 
So now let's talk about after you're in the door. So you're on the job. You've been there however long, a year, multiple years. (laughs) And you're like, wait a minute, I haven't had a raise. Why? I'm doing the work of five people. I know everything my boss knows. I'm the number one person on the team. Why is this pay scale not going up? Why am I underpaid? Why am I doing the work of a manager without manager title? Why am I underpaid? I can't answer every question because every situation is unique and only God has the true answers for your particular uh, situation. But I'm going to give you just a few things I've observed and experienced that make an impact on why you are underpaid for work that you should be paid more with. So one of the reasons you might be underpaid is because of your attitude. And I know, I know, Molly, that stung. It stung. And I know some of you are like, I don't have an attitude. I'm an excellent employee. There's nothing wrong with me. That in, that in and of itself is an attitude. Um, it's a, uh, I don't know what the right phrase or terminology is for it, but it's one of those puffed up attitudes where you're like, you know what? I am the best. And because you come off with this, I am the best air about you, no one wants to pay you more. They're already annoyed because you lack humbleness. Contrary to popular belief in this whole era, if you got to negotiate and you got to ask for a zillion things, no one wants a puffed up pompous person operating in their business. They want someone who is humble, but hardworking, someone with humility, but also not afraid to speak up. That's what they're looking for. Someone who can bring an A game to the table and not constantly complain about what they're not getting. Everything is not about what you get. It is not. It's about what you give. And when you give, no different than how we tithe and give our offerings, when you give and you pour in to his kingdom, he pours into you. And a lot of people try to separate work from the Bible. And I don't know why they do that. But they try to separate work from the Bible like, oh, well, you know, I don't need to, um, you know, this is work. This isn't church. Um, Work is a ministry. Let's just put that out there. It is a ministry. And I'm, I have, you know, if you're listening and you're like, I disagree with that, please put your thoughts in the, um, in the chat. I have a question on this particular episode, uh, Q&A, and I want you to put your thoughts in there. Like, please, I want to hear what you have to say. I want to get your thoughts. I want to find out, like, what are you thinking about? You, you may change my mind. Um, I could learn something from you. I want to learn. Please teach me. So please put your opinion in there. But work as a ministry, and you're supposed to work as unto the Lord in everything that you do, anything you put your hands to. If you're working as if the people don't matter, sure, you're doing the job of three and four different people, but you work as if it only matters if you get paid. No one wants to increase that. So, for example, I'm going to tell you about a person I know many, 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 many moons ago. And I don't remember her last name, thank God. Um, <laughs> but I knew a, a coworker named Kim. I've had many, many Kims in my life. 
um, it's a very common name. So I've worked with a lot of Kims in my past. But there was a lady that I knew named Kim. And she was very smart. But she had a very puffed up aura about herself from the day she got in. She was at the bottom like, I shouldn't be doing all this manual labor. Like, okay, well, they hired us to do this kind of work, so I'm going to do this kind of work. And the whole time I was with this person for probably a good two or three years. Um, yeah, about two, three years. And the whole time I was there, every time I turned around, this person was trying their best to just climb up, trying to do the management stuff, talking with the manager in the manager's office. Well, I can do that. I can do that just trying to show what they can do up there. But they weren't doing it in a way that people really wanted to elevate them. They would elevate them to get them out of their face, for lack of a better phrase. They got tired. They got tired of this person just always hanging around. And they wouldn't stay late. They wouldn't do anything above and beyond. They only did what they thought was required to be a leader. Me, on the other hand... I did all the grunt work. I had no problem. I was like, hey, so I'm scanning all day. I will be the best scanner you've ever seen. I'm going to run circles around this machine. They're going to name a machine after me. I'm going to scan like there's no tomorrow. And so I'm scanning and scanning and scanning and scanning. I got my music on and my headphones and I'm just jamming. I'm at peace. And I noticed that the managers would intentionally come talk to me, but not necessarily my other coworker. I didn't say anything because it doesn't matter. But I noticed they would come talk to me, and this was because they're like, you know what? You seem happy here. You're not asking me for everything. I want to know how you're doing. And I'll never forget it. I had, a, I had an employee come up to me, or a manager come up to me, and they said, hey, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing great. How are you? He said, I'm fine. Do you need anything? Do you want anything? I said, well, I would like to go to the bathroom real quick if you're okay with that. <laughs> I need to take a break. I just need to pee. And I'll be right back, I promise. They're like, please, take a break. They're like, have you, you know, do you need any help? Or do you, are you have the equipment you need? And I remember as they're talking to me, the person, Kim I was telling you about, would just come in and jump in and interrupt. Now, mind you, we were both paid the same. Exact same rate, hourly no difference between Kim and myself. And, but they would always interrupt any time the manager would try to speak to me or try to do something for me. And this created a really bad vibe uh, between management and her and then management in the area where I was because they couldn't understand why I was happy and doing my work, but they couldn't seem to get her to sit in her desk and do her job. So fast forward, we ended up moving up. We ended up moving to a new location. I ended up being in a new department. And this person just would not sit down and do their job. They just kept trying to become a manager. So they eventually got their wish. They eventually got the management role. I was not a manager. I stayed where I was at. But my pay always mirrored whatever she would get paid. I was doing the work of a manager in many, many ways. But I did not get the title. But I was paid pretty close to it. I was still paid less than her, but pretty close to her pay scale. And people who knew about pay scales and knew what everybody was getting paid would mention this stuff to me. This isn't stuff I went and dug for. This is things that was told to me. And they're like, why 
Are you getting paid less than this person and you do more than them? Do you want to lead? Do you want to manage? And I said, well, if the opportunity is open, I guess so. I don't have a problem with that. They said, really? You don't mind? I'm like, yeah, I don't mind. What do we need? I said, I'm here to make sure the company survives. So what do I have to do to help your business? And because of that, that brief conversation, I remember I got promoted um, to, you know, the equivalent of the assistant manager. I was in charge of payroll, hiring, layoffs, um, scheduling, um, system management, um, you name it. I, I, I added all of those things there. And so what was really interesting was I ended up with this title, with this pay, and I never asked for the promotion. And I, I'll never forget, you know, my, my coworker at the time was just really angry about that. And they're like, I don't get it. Why does she get to have this title? Why is she, she's not a manager. She's, she scans things. And the company for a while was just kind of dealing with it. Like, all right, what do we have to do to appease this lady? But by this point, they're like, okay, look, your attitude makes you not a leader. And we're definitely not given, you know, they didn't say it, but, you know, eventually they're like, we're not giving bonuses um, to someone with your kind of demeanor because of the way that you're acting. Now, why am I saying all that? Because I'm not going to go through every little scenario, but why did I say that? I was underpaid for the longest time. And before I got that um, assistant manager position, I was not making enough to make ends meet. So I was working every day, 40 hours, a lot of times more than 40 hours, working 45 to 50 hours a week. I would stay like an extra hour or two. Sometimes I'd come in an hour, hour and a half early every day just to get a head start on things. I took shorter lunches. Um, I trained anyone who came in. I made document processes so that they could see step by step what I did, when I did it, what I pressed, what I didn't. So that, God forbid, if something happened to me, they could uh, hire someone else and they could immediately pick up where I left off, even if they didn't have the skill set. And I remember at the time I was doing all of that work, being an asset, but yet I still wasn't making what I needed to make ends meet. And it was frustrating because I would come home and I'd look at my paycheck and I'm like, okay, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to pay these bills. I don't. Um, I'm going to pay a little bit of this one, a little bit of that one. Um, but this pay scale is just too low for me, (laughs) for me to survive. So I don't know what you need me to do, Lord. Do I need to budget more? Do I need to spend less? Do I need to eat less? Like, what do I need to do to be okay with what I have? Now, notice something in what I just said there. I didn't say, God, give me more. I need more. How dare they give me so little? No, I didn't. And didn't say, God, increase me, enlarge my territory, build me up, Lord. No, I didn't ask for a pedestal. I didn't ask for a bigger pocketbook. I said, God, teach me how to manage what you've given me. Big difference. Because instead of saying, God, I need more, I'm like, God, am I managing what you gave me well? If I'm managing what you gave me well, it doesn't matter if I'm increased or not. Because you're going to help me manage what I have. And that's enough. 
anything extra you want to give me, I receive it. He knows I'm open to it and welcome it. But I don't have to ask him because he knows what I need before I ask. And he's the one that increases me. He's the one that sets me before kings. He's the one who uh, sets me uh, before kind leaders and not mean men. He does that. And he never said it was because I had to ask for it first. Um, because he just knows. It's his desire to elevate us as believers. So because I was focused on what am I, what do I need to do with what you gave me? God helped me to be humble. God helped me to appreciate what you're, you know, what you've already done. Because of that, he kept increasing me. So I increased to being assistant manager. And then I increased to having my own position, brand new, created out of thin air in a completely new department. Um, I ended up being before leaders in every single meeting when they had a, um, Oh gosh, I forget what it was, but they, they had like a contest, like a voice recording contest and everything they thought of me when they thought about, Hey, we're thinking about changing the entire way we do this. How do you think we can use the people we have to get more out of blah, blah, blah. They came and asked my opinion. Was it because I was super skilled in it? No, but I'm flexible. And there was a need for information and it was within budget to ask me without putting the extra funds out there. Now, why am I saying this? I'm saying this because this scenario that happened in a job was uh, 10, 12 years ago is a similar scenario to what's happening to me today. It has nothing to do with me being better than anybody else. That is not it at all. It is because I learned the secret. The secret is not in... I need to master more negotiation skills. I need to ask for more money. No, I need to master what God's given me. And I and just one time said, God, whenever you decide to increase me, I receive it. Until then, I'm going to be content with what you gave me. And I'm going to trust that you show me how to master what you gave me. That's it. That's the secret to the pay scale. The more I did that, the more I got surprise bonuses, extra gifts, things, all kinds of stuff. I have been blessed with so many things in offices, so many things. I've been blessed with shirts and clothes and computers and laptops and mice. And um, I've been given recommendation letters before I even, you know, had to leave the company. Like I've been given offers to work in personal private businesses with people that I've worked with. Like, increase came. Um, Let me also say this on the pay scale. (laughs) The pay scale. The pay scale is not always in a way that you think it's going to show up. A lot of people look at a pay scale and say, well, I haven't increased. I deserve a promotion. Okay, but have you looked around to see if God increased you in a different way? Your pay scale went up. It just may not have gone up where you think it should have gone up. I have had many seasons where God has increased my scale by reducing everything else that I owe. I'll never forget the day I woke up one day and my $60,000 student loans were just gone. Just poof, gone. Not, oh, if you pay this, it'll be gone. Not, oh, let's do a deferment. I mean, just gone. Like, there is no loan. Like, what loan? Just gone. And just like that, where I was like, okay, my money was getting... Uh, garnished because I'd been un- unemployed for so long. So the second I got a job, the state was, you know, IRS was like, we're taking your money. I'm like, geez, thanks, IRS. Uh, you know, thank you, Department of Education. And I didn't have to fight to have that money cleared off. It just disappeared. 
There have been so many times where I'm like, okay, God, I barely make enough to make ends meet, but I trust you. And then pay scale wise, I went from provision to abundance because he lowered all my other bills. And not with me hounding the doors down. Now, let me let me say this as a caveat because it would be unfair if I didn't. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with asking for something lower. There's nothing wrong with asking. But who are you asking and what's your motive behind it? What is your heart posture before you ask it? If your heart posture is, I deserve this, you are asking with the wrong posture. If your heart posture is, if your motive is, um, how dare they pay me so little? I'm doing the work of this, this, this. They better at least give me the title of manager. And I'm going to ask for it because that's fair. Your posture is not right. Most people that are quote unquote good managers are people who never ask for the role. They're people that don't even really view themselves as leaders. They're people that are like, man, just whatever you need me to do, I'll stop and bust tables if you need me to. Those are the true leaders. Those are the people you want in charge because they're humble. They're not worried about a title. They're not constantly, you know, let me say this. Mm, mm, mm. And I know this is going to hurt some people. And I hope that you know my heart when I say this. If you are at your job and you are thinking right now, I have a list of reasons why they should pay me. I'm going to say this. You're not loving your enemies. If you think about 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, and it talks about love keeps no record of wrongs. But yet we're commanded in the Bible many times to love our enemies, to love one another. To love everyone as we love ourselves. Love keeps no record of wrongs. So if you're loving your coworkers, if you're loving your manager, if you're loving your company, you shouldn't be keeping a record of wrongs. You shouldn't be keeping a record of, well, they should be paying me more now because I've got this responsibility. You shouldn't be keeping the record of, well, they owe me a bonus because I contributed this much of my personal money to uh, make this system work, da 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 Or they should be paying this because I've worked, you know, 200 days overtime, blah, 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 blah. And I know they said I'm not supposed to get overtime, but I should because da 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 You're keeping records of wrongs. And what you're really saying is, God, you're not handling it, so I'm going to handle it. That's what you're saying subconsciously in the spirit. And I know you're like, that's harsh, Molly. I know. And you know why I'm telling you that? Because God had to do it to me. Yeah. I'm telling you stuff I have experienced personally where I'm like, God, I should have this, this, this. And God's like, no, I need you to humble yourself. Quit keeping a record of what you think they need to fix and trust that I'm in charge, not them. And that I will get you what's due to you without you having to ask. Like, okay. I learned the lesson. So now my pay scale goes up regardless of economy, regardless of title, regardless of whatever's happening in life. My scale goes up every single time. The only time I've ever seen my pay scale go down is if I intentionally said I'm leaving a company and I'm going to take a job that's lower because I want to do something. Notice all the times I said I, yeah. So when my pay scale went down, it was because I did something instead of trusting him. 
not seeking him, not seeking God, saying, God, what do you want me to do? I'm like, I'm not staying at this job. They look like they're going down. I'm jumping the ship right now. Let's go. It's like, did God tell you to leave? Did he? Because where you think you're going that's going to prosper you may not be the best move. It may be that the company you think looks all great with the grass green on the other side could be the worst nightmare you could ever be walking into. You could be setting yourself up for failure and stress and trauma because you can't see what's going to happen two, three years down the road. You have no idea. You got to trust God if you want that pay scale to go up. If you want that pay scale to stay the same. If you want the title, if you want the accolades, if you want the perks, you need to trust God, remain humble, work as unto God, not as unto man, and trust that he knows how to increase you. The the heart of all this pay scale stuff is who's got you? Um, I love that song by Neon Sheep. If you have not heard it, there's a song called Who's Got You um, or Who's Gotcha by Neon Sheep. And it's so powerful because it's talking about who has you. Is it money or is it God? And if you're having trouble with your pay scale, it's because you're saying that money has you instead of God. And you have got to get yourself in line with his will and not your will. When you master that, you will have increase beyond your wildest dreams. Your pay scale that you're expecting from God, he will supersede that. Let me just put it this way. Without saying numbers that I'm making right now, I am making $27,000 more a year than I asked God for. I originally asked God for X amount and was just hoping I could get there one day. And I was like, okay, I think we can make it if I get to that. God has literally increased past that. I'm like, how did I go from asking for only this amount to you giving me almost $30,000 more than what I believed you for. I'm not even a manager. I'm not. I am not a manager. I am a senior something mouthful. I make stuff and I help people. (laughs) If people ask me, what do I do at my job? What do I do? I make stuff and I help people. That's my job. They're like, well, yeah, what's your, your title? Who cares what my title is? My title is servant. My title is, what do you need? That's my title. Do you need a, a teacher right now? I'll be teacher. Do you need a developer right now? I am developer. Do you need me to manage? I am a manager. Whatever it is that you need me to be, that's what I am. And that adaptability, that flexibility creates a need. Not just a need and a title, but it creates a need for me. And by being adaptable, you are now making yourself vital to a company. And when you do that, there's no limits to where you can go. Okay. I know you're like, Molly, that's a lot on pay scale. I know. I know you're like, but I need to know more. Trust me, it's coming. The part two of assets is coming. Um, But I hope that this helps you understand the pay scale a little bit more and how I got the increase that I did. I've had people asking me, they're like, how much did you get increased? I can't say, you know, exact dollar amounts, but I will just say that I got well over like thousands more than I thought I would ever get in my lifetime. And it's not because I did anything awesome, not because I have some extraordinary skill. It's because I trust God and I flow with him. If you do the same thing, you'll get it too. So 
I'm going to pray you guys out. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in, and I hope it blessed you. Um, God, I pray for every person that is listening under the sound of my voice. I pray that they are financially blessed, um, and not in a small way, but in a fantastic way. I pray that you blow their minds, that you show them the areas in which they can be a valuable employee um, so that they can bring honor to you and bring profitability to their company. Um, God, put them in positions of influence. Um, align their character so that they can be a blessing when they are in that position of influence. Surround them by great leaders. Um, bring bonuses out of nowhere for them, God. Um, bring pay raises out of nowhere. Bring promotions that they didn't even see coming. Um, do that, God. Do all of that and then some. I want a hundredfold blessing on them. In the way that you bless me, God, increase it by five for each person. That alone would set people into a completely different tax bracket. God, bring them into a supernaturally increased tax bracket. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I love you all. Have a blessed day. Till next time, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Excel Books Podcast with Molly. You can find more helpful resources and services at xclbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please send us a message at xelbooks.com or email xelbooks at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us again next time for more tips on work, family, and life.